How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Jonathan Sinelli, who lives in Canada and has over 20 years of leadership experience in the construction industry. Jonathan is the host of the People First, Then Construction podcast, and is also the author of Kick Your Ego Side and Put People First. And you'll hear Jonathan talk about his leadership journey and how everything changed for him when he started leading with a people-centric approach. Jonathan, welcome to the Jam Session. This is a true honor and pleasure, Rob. Thank you for having me here. Are you ready to jam? You know, we had a preliminary conversation earlier and it was so amplifying. So am I ready to jam? I'm ready to create magic, man. This is going to be great. I was uh, really looking forward to, to getting you on because I uh, love your background. We share a little bit of a similar background, at least earlier in my career. So maybe you can just share a little bit about your leadership journey. Yeah, sure. There's no short story to that. So I'll keep it as succinct as humanly possible. I had the pleasure of I've grown up in a family business. Uh, my dad owned an electrical contracting company and myself and my twin brother, I have an identical twin brother. We were pivoted right into it at onset. I'm going to tell you, eight years old, we were cleaning toilets, emptying garbages on Saturdays before a, a hockey game, before a hockey practice. We were there and we got to learn the widgets and we got to learn everything about the business and I tell you, I hated it. And not so much as a kid, but I certainly hated it through teenage years. Our friends are out having a good time and my brother and I are working. And, and it was like that every summer. My dad worked in the school board sector. We were ICI commercial. So we knew when schools were off, there was no hiding in and we were there. We finished high school. I pivoted to college, got a business degree. From there, uh, our family business merged with Oz Electric, a, a large organization at the time. Found my niche. I was, I was learning, estimating procurement, project management. I found my niche in project management. I found my love for people, my passion for people. And my connection to projects, really magical. And like, it, it didn't, it was, Rob, here's the thing. I'm a lifelong learner. So it never ended there. So I remember this, seriously, I'm sitting with my cousin who was a, a university, York University alumni. He says, here's a program. Let's look at this. And what it was, it was, it was through the Project Management Institute, the Fundamentals of Project Management. I've been doing this for five or seven years. I'm like, I don't need project management training. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Huh? Instead, I dug in and i took the program and it was intensive and it allowed me an opportunity to get my pmp certification that was not easy like now i actually understood the fundamentals and see here's the thing in construction here's how you manage a project it was like here's a computer here's a hard hat here's a pair of boots if that go mm -hmm. uh, okay and yes we had the opportunity to shadow and mentor but now i'm learning this guy's good habits and or bad habits. And so the fundamentals of project management came into play, mind-blowing, didn't stop there, took that into my leadership perspective, was growing, leading projects were succeeding. I'm becoming curious about everything, asking questions about everything, learning as much as I can about people. And then something magical happened. I had a friend that I hadn't seen in 10 years come and visit me, and we started shooting the breeze. And the next thing I knew, Rob, I took a week off work. I found myself in San Francisco in a conference for coaches. And I didn't even know what a coach was time. And I'm in this room with professionals and we're all doing an introduction of 150 people there. And I stand up, Jonathan Sinelli, I'm in the construction sector. Yeah, because this, this, this is unheard of, like in the construction sector, right? I mean, going to, to learn how to be a, a coach. I mean, I worked in construction for years and I can relate even as a teenager and even throughout college. And I mean, 
going to any type of leadership course or management course or coaching course was just completely unheard of. And I worked for many construction companies where now I reflect back and I was like, good God, they could have definitely used some of these courses. So here you are now in a, in a coaching course. Is that right? Absolutely. And yes, thank you. Right. So I'm maybe, I don't know, early thirties at this point in time. Okay. Mid thirties, early thirties. I, because I'm so committed to growth and expansion, I don't think of this, right? Literally, man, I hopped on a plane. My wife was eight and a half months pregnant with our daughter. I'm on a plane for a week and I'm in this. And I'll tell you what that, I know this today. I didn't know at the time when I stood up there, it was like the spotlight came on. You're like, what the hell's the matter with this guy? Why is he here? And I didn't have an answer. They're like, what are you doing here? You're in construction. Why are you in this coaching seminar? And honest to goodness, my, my response was, I'm not yet sure. Except I know that there's something more. And if I can extrapolate something from coaching and bring it into the construction world, how magical is that? And okay, so I go through this. Pro- I think it's over, right? I'm like, okay, it's a five-day f- five seminar. Cool. I, I got some cool takeaways. What happened next was then it was like, well, what's the International Coaches Federation? What's the certification? And I dug in and I was like, holy smokes. And so good coaching became part of everyday life for me. Did you find yourself managing your people completely different? Tremendously different. Tremendously different. It amplified me as a person. Amplified them. It, it, they created huge amounts of success. And I'm not talking financial success because, see, in the construction world, we get so um, incubated and, and enamored with, oh my God, how much profit am I going to make? I'm like, oh my God, silly folks. You're going to make a profit. That organically occurs when all the other right fundamentals are in play. That's the outcome. That's the outcome of all the right processes, plays, and fundamental digging that we did in the background that led to that goal. So I'm tremendously passionate about it. And so how did you start approaching your people differently? Start asking questions, Rob. Like more questions. What coaching allowed me to do was become even more curious. So if I was curious before, this was like curious in surround sound. Curious about everything. I started hosting seminars. Rob, here's a quick little story. I'm on a job site with with the same team of guys for, I don't know, four years. We've got multiple multiple phases of, of, we're doing condos. Six guys, a great crew. I know them well. I always bring them stuff, hang out with them, take them to talk. Just, you just spend time with people. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a, a mental, emotional strength training, half an hour talk. I wrote a book and it ends up in my book because it was a story. He looks at me and goes, Jonathan, this is weird, man. So what are you talking about? He goes, we're men on a construction site. We're talking about feelings, how we actually care, how we show up. Man, I just want to show up in the morning, go to work, go home. Mm-hmm. This is weird. I'm like, isn't it? That's the whole point, folks. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I care about you. Because if, if you have a bad day at home, then it comes, oh, no, I leave my stuff at home. BS you do, man. You're full of it. I, I could just picture this because I know the industry from working in it earlier in my life. I could just imagine that conversation, how that all went down with your coworkers or with these guys on the site. Oh, it was, it was, I, I'm going to describe this for you. Six guys in a room. We had, I, we, we, brought, we brought some lunch with pizza and coffee and right. having cigarettes or smoking, shooting the breeze. And we just, what I'm thinking, like, I'm like, this is great. I'm talking about how we show up, how we think, the thought process, limiting beliefs, a whole bunch of different things. And I'm thinking it's going great until it's not, until our foreman on site was like, I think what Jonathan's trying to say is this. I'm like, thanks, Sam. And, and he really stopped and, and he's like, what I was getting at was so many different things, except just a quick little analogy. When you walk on a job site, and if I had a discussion with my children or my wife and it didn't go so well, it's in my head, right? Or my dog's sick. It's in my head. I'm walking on site. I haven't had a coffee. I haven't had breakfast yet. And all of a sudden it's like, bang, 
Jonathan, here's my problem. Fix it. Holy smoke. Good morning. It doesn't happen. It's like in, in, right. in fact, you're cursed at, you're yelled at, you're told you're, you're, you're less than. And, and so all of this happens. There's so much more, Rob, but I, I, I can just put a pin in that thought. So yes, International Coaches Federation coaching changed everything for me. So as you were trying to utilize some of these techniques, did you find that over time people were responding then to you? Oh yeah. And it wasn't like, I'd love to tell you there's like this magic blue pill that made it all happen. No, it sucked. It was awful. They're like, what the hell is the matter? Well, you asked so many questions because I care because I operate on the fundamentals. I'll give you the information, all the information I have so that you can have the autonomy to make the decision so that you can contribute. Because if you're contributing to the greater factor, then you're making the difference. I'm not telling you how to do it because I have my way of running the conduit. Do you think I really care how you get the conduit from one side to the other side? No, man. In fact, they'd become curious and be like, tell me why you did it that way. Like, what made you go that? Because if I went on say, I'm going to do it this way, but my brain doesn't think the same way as your brain. And instead of saying like, hurry the hell up and do this faster, you say, what do you need? Oh, I could use a tie wire gun. Oh, okay. Anything else? Oh, yeah, I could, I, I could use you know, a box of pens so that I don't have to go to the dollar store and buy my own. Holy smokes. Coffee. Can I, I want to pivot to this one, right? What would, for me, what draws people together is food and drink. I'd walk on a, a job saying, like, hey, man, let's make an espresso. Espresso. We don't have a coffee machine here. It's not in the budget. I'm like, baloney. Don't let anybody ever tell you that. I'd buy the machine. And, they, and then they're like, oh, for me, it's like expensive. I don't care, guys. Because you know what? When we come there, and then what happens? The plumber shows up. The bricklayer shows up. I'm like, hey, man, make me a coffee. Okay, what are you doing today? Hey, what's your pain point? Hey, don't do that wall yet. I got three plugs to put in there. Can you do that after lunch? Yeah, look at the collaboration that occurs. For what? I'm, I'm, a $2 coffee? But when that doesn't occur, we have predetermined expectations of somebody else, which leads to, if the expectations are not met, then that leads to predetermined resentment. So if I don't clear my expectations with you, I'm, I create resentment because, oh, Jonathan should have known. Yeah, but should is a stupid word too. Mm -hmm. If I don't, if, if we don't communicate, if I don't know what goes through your head, how, how do you expect me to show up? And that is what happens in any industry, right? We just ask for more, get this done, but we're not pausing and asking the questions we should be. That's going to help people along the way. Yeah. For better there, there's, there, so, so you ask me what changes? I ask better questions. Mm -hmm. I think differently. I ask thought-provoking questions that lead to insights because if I can leave you touched, moved, and inspired to think about something, what did Jonathan mean today when he said to show up with empathy? How that changes things. So you talk about, you know, in your book, the guiding principles. Mm -hmm. First one is be the best version of yourself. Yeah. So maybe you talk a little bit about that, what that means. I'm of no service to anybody else unless they look after me first. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if I'm not whole or complete, if I've got gaps of things that I have not addressed, internal thoughts, limiting beliefs, knowledge-based skill set, then here's the analogy I use is that sometimes you hear the framework of, yeah, when it's time to step it up and step into the game, I will. I'll be ready for that. I challenge that to say, in a mission-critical situation, you're going to fall back to your highest level of training. You don't amplify yourself and say, okay, now I'm ready for the game. No. That's why every great athlete in the world trains rigorously so that in the time of heavy-duty competition, he or she is not thinking they're falling back to their habits, rituals, and routines their highest level of training. In construction, we're like, ah, oh, don't worry, I've done this. And what happens? The opposite happens. We get defensive, we armor up. So I'm saying, do the work yourself. Hold yourself to higher standards so that when you hold yourself to high standards, those around you see that. 
Mm-hmm. Becoming the best version of yourself, of who you are today, speaking the language of the person you wish to become, of who you're growing into, that changes everything. You see, we have this framework in our mind that here's how people see me, baloney, right? We think that people see us a certain way. Yet people see us by our, our words, our actions, and our, and our intentions. And we judge ourselves by our intentions. So becoming vividly clear of who you are, where you're pivoting to, and then show up for others. I come across so many managers who are going to attend my workshop and they're like, well, yeah, I've had a lot of management training over the years. I'm not sure I really need this. And inevitably, they're the ones that need it the most. But the point is that sends a message in itself. You talk about being intentional. And if you're trying to live to a higher standard and you're not taking even bettering yourself seriously, what's the message you're sending to your employees or others around you? There's no shorter answer to that because there's a lot of digging that has to happen. How do you help people avoid burnout? Every human being is tremendously unique. So I think that there's, there's no off the shelf item. What I can say is, you know, some under fundamental underpinning, it starts with boundaries and expectations. And those are tremendously unique for everybody. What do I mean by that? I mean, setting the boundaries up front, given the situation. For example, if I'm with somebody, the greatest gift I could offer them is presence. Being totally dedicated, not looking over a shoulder here, not, hey, Rob, good to see you. I'll be waiting with you. Like, you've just demonstrated to me. You don't give a damn about what I have to say. So what do you do? And, and don't forget, let's talk construction about life, but so many distractions come to machines. If I'm trying to, if, if my intention is to, to relay a great message to you and we're standing, there's an excavator digging us a hole right there. It ain't ever going to like it. Rob, I really want to hear what you have to say. Can we go to a quieter space? Oh, that's a simple boundary. Now, all of a sudden, oh, okay. So boundaries, it's a huge word. It doesn't have to be huge. It's presence. It's acknowledging the scenario. And, hey, listen, Rob, when I'm with you, my phone is in my pocket on vibrating and is not going to disrupt any of us. There's nothing worse than, I'm looking at my phone that's on the floor now, because I put it on the floor purposely for our conversation today. Yes. When somebody picks up their phone and goes, Rob, I got to take this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call you back in like 10 minutes. I was about to deliver like the, the most important piece of this whole project. And now I could care less because Jonathan is not paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. Boundaries, folks. Put your phone away. Here's my boundaries. Here's how I did it. Everybody knew this and everybody still knows this. If I'm with you, my phone is in my pocket on vibrate. Everybody in my orbit, in my world, on my team, in my life knows that the only way you're going to get in touch with me is you got a call, right? Mm-hmm. If I answer, of course I will. If I don't answer, I... I will return your phone call. There's no doubt about that. But what's most important is if it's mission critical, and why mission critical, I mean, you have already attempted everything because there's three questions I always ask people. I'll get to that in a second. You already answered all these three questions and you still can't solve it. And it's mission critical. The rocket ship's going to explode. I need Jonathan's input now. You call, you hang up, you call, you hang up, you call, you hang up. Free call coding. Then I answered. Then, then I would say, Rob, excuse me. That is my call code. Would you mind? Now I'm going to ask your permission by the way, anybody who's already in my orbit knows that I have a call code because I will say the same thing to you. Rob, if I'm with somebody in a meeting, I'm with them. Unless it's mission critical, know that I'll call you back. But if it's like, you need me right this second, hmm. call, hang up, call, hang up, call, hang up. Then I excuse myself from that scenario and say, hey, man, what's up? No small talk. What's up? Got it. Call you back. Here's my input. I'll call you when appropriate. That's a pretty cool you technique. Talk, yeah. You talk about boundaries. Now I've got boundaries, right? And expectations. So expectations come organically. I will hold you to high expectations and love you to death. Here are the expectations. And they're vividly clear because we've gone over them. In fact, we've agreed to them. Rob, here's what I expect of you. 
by the time you call me, here's the three questions, right? What have you already tried? What would you like to do? And the most important thing is, I'm not available. What would you have done? Simple expectations. We're all human beings with our own thoughts. Yeah. So what have you already tried? Don't come to me and say, I got a problem. Jonathan, solve my problem. No, Rob, what have you already tried? Okay, cool. Sounds like a cool idea. What do you want to do? Yeah, well, I'd like to get it here. I'm just, I have a brain. My brain is stuck right now. Okay, okay. And so like, if you couldn't get a hold of me, because this happens in life, we all have unexpected things that occur. You, you couldn't get a hold of me and you had to make a decision to move past this roadblock. What would you have done? Okay, got it. High five, man. So do you still need me? Because if you can answer those three questions, you may not even need to call me. Boundaries and expectations, folks. There's lots more, but there's a, sort of a little insight into it. That's awesome. Because oftentimes people do call you and just use you as a crutch, your employees, right? And it does take time. This goes back to asking the questions like we were talking about before, right? Ask the question. Which is being a good coach, right? I know that's part of your principles in your book is be the coach. Is that right? Be the coach. That's yeah. right. I just want to hang out in that space too, because here's the other thing that we forget as professionals. Every distraction, answering that email, answering that text message, answering that telephone call, disrupts the entire flow. It's, mm -hmm. The brain science suggests anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes to get back on task. Meaning that if I take a, a, a three-minute phone call from Rob to solve Rob's little problem to say the drywall didn't show up, Rob's going to say, okay, we'll call the vendor. Well, that three-minute call now just derailed your thought process for an average of 10 to 20 minutes on whatever you were accomplishing is now lost. It's going to take you time to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. When Look at that. Like, dude, call the guy. Call the vendor. You have all the information. Here's the vendors. Here's the telephone. Here's the contact list. You have all the autonomy to make the decision. We, we do tend to make things much more complicated than what they need to be. All right. All right. So last question for you. So if you were to go back and just thinking of like when you first started managing people, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? I wish I knew that people have huge hearts and they actually care. And when you empower them and give them all the information they need, success is going to occur. I think that there was a, there's a misconception in the past where I would have thought that people intentionally wake up to screw things up. Not mm -hmm. so, folks. It's really good insight. But again, it takes the time to then really get to know your people and, and not to just come with assumptions, but to ask good questions and to be curious, like you talked about earlier. Be curious. Like when you lead with a people-centric approach, everything changes. Everything. Very good. Everything. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom. And we'll put your book, a link to it in the show notes as well. Appreciate you coming Appreciate on. You. My pleasure, Rob. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. <laughs>